Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Uh, Bud, this one, this one will not be uh, one of the more fun uh, episodes that we've recorded recently, but uh, certainly a lot to talk about from uh, from a, a little bit of a disappointing game from uh, Monday night. So um, I'll start off by saying we're in a environment that we don't have total control of. There may be some noise introduced to the recording that uh, at times that we just can't do anything about. We'll do our best to... Uh, make this as, as uh, good a product as possible. So, uh, as always, want to thank our, our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce. Been a great partner for us. Uh, look forward to continue to working with them, and, and they have uh, done an awful lot to improve the uh, consistency and the frequency of which we're able to do these podcasts. Absolutely, man. And, and we have all these people sending us selfies with their Louisiana Hot Sauce and their, their breakfast and their brunch, and you know people enjoying their uh, their, their Bloody Marys and, and, and their breakfast. So, uh, awesome product and uh, proud sponsor of the Nolcast. Ingram, what if I told you that a team playing at home had more yards, 327 to 319, more yards of play, 5-2 to 4-8, more chunk plays, and they were better on third down, 5 of 16 to 3 of 14, and yet they still lost by 21 points? What? What would you think? That would be that would be hard to uh, hard to wrap your your arms around without uh, otherwise assuming that there were just some some pretty catastrophic plays uh, scattered in that uh, weren't necessarily reflective or displayed in those numbers. And and yet that's that's what happened. Uh, Florida State deserved to lose this game on on Monday night. They they were not the better team on the field. Now we'll get through this throughout the show. By how much worse were they really, based on the quality of their play versus you know based on happenings? I, I don't know. I I know last night before we got I think about three hours sleep here at the hotel. Uh, I we were debating this. I look, there was probably I don't know, ten fourteen points worth of of kind of flukiness here, but that still leaves double digit worth of points of a deficit based on on poor play. And so we'll we'll start with the bad tonight. Uh, up front, we got to start with special teams, man. I, I will, we'll get to the offense in a minute. Certainly, I know a lot of people want to talk about the offense, as do we. But if you're if you're starting with what was the worst, the, the worst on a per play basis was by far the special teams. Special teams were uh, were exceptionally disappointing. You have a you have a you know you come back immediately after the uh, the play to Gavin, where you think you might have scored a touchdown to uh, have to kick a field goal. And you miss that one, that uh, short kick there, that a little bit of a, a clustering of uh, of really disappointing play there. Um, obviously, the play that's that's going to be the most um, synonymous with poor special teams play is the uh, block kick for a touchdown. You weren't great in the punting game otherwise. And uh, of all the least of concerns or, or complaints about the special team, I'll just uh, throw one more in. I wasn't really sure what we were doing on punt return. We weren't really trying to block a punt, which is fine. That's not necessarily what you want to do all the time, and and uh, I understand. But we weren't really setting up a return either. Uh, we were just kind of out there and existing, and pretty much uh, appeared as though our plan was to do nothing but uh, to fair catch kicks all night. Yeah, look, we know Vatex punter is very good, but at the same time, that was uh, they, they 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 were they had nothing going. In, in the punt return game, getting the punt blocked. It, if you look at one of those win probability graphs, right throughout the throughout the game, it's it's relatively even. 
up until the point you get the punt blocked. And after that, that thing spikes, and, and you're you're at a major deficit. Uh, just poor technique. To be honest, you, you got you got a guy need, needs to step and close, doesn't do it, and it's disappointing uh, from a senior out there. But that's that's what happened. Something they they absolutely have to get fixed. And uh, if they don't, it'll happen again. And I think it's crushing too, man, because it they had the exact same thing happen last year on special teams. Mm-hmm. Literally last year, we 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 sat in Atlanta and we said, man. Their special teams totally let them down. Uh, what last year we had two, three fumbles on special teams. It was it was pretty ridiculous, and and you know had, had a block kick as well. So uh, for Noel fans, very familiar pain uh, of just a year ago from special teams disasters. Uh, if they have even average special teams, they're very much in this game later in the game. And in fact, they were in this game still, amazingly, uh, until you know until the end of the fourth quarter despite the fact that they you know, had those errors. So uh, kind of dovetailing into the next point I want to bring up. The other reason why this was as lopsided as it was, was, was field position. And Absolutely. part of this is related to special teams. But I know, Ingram, you dug up a stat. How, how big of an advantage was this Was this field position advantage? I mean, it, it honestly is not 375 yards, which is, <laughs> is hard to even fathom until you think about what happened last night. Um, man, when, when you think about, uh, all the things that Florida state did, uh, between turnovers and red zone inefficiency and everything else, uh, it was always going to be hard to win that game. And, and when you go and you spot somebody four football fields, essentially, um, wow. I mean, uh, I know the score got a little ugly at, at the end, but it's, it's almost, uh, it's almost surprising that Florida state was, was even, was even had a competitive game when you look at when you look at the, how the overall stats break down. You know, I somewhere I've got a chart on this, and I'll, I'll figure it out at, when I have more than three hours sleep. But, dude, we've done a show a long time. I, I don't I don't know that I've seen a 375-yard edge in field position. It felt like like almost every single play was being run in the shadow of FSU's own goal line. Yeah. I mean, that was that felt like we were playing out of the traditional end zones at about 40% of our snaps last night. Their average field position starting point was the 44. FSU's was the 19. That's literally better than double. And over 15 drives, that adds up. That that's gosh, looking at that, it's incredible they didn't get blown out by mm-hmm. by a, you know a lot more. Yep. Um Okay, so we're about 5-6 minutes in. Let's talk a little bit about the red zone offense. <laughs> Uh, the red zone offense, it was, uh, uh, also kind of similar to, to some of the woes in your opening game of last year as well. But, uh, red zone offense is, uh, 0 for 4 when it comes to, to touchdowns. I think 1 for 5 in, in scoring opportunities overall. Uh, just very, very disappointing. And, uh, there's some, there's some things in there as to some explanations. And, um, I don't know that we want to, get too caught down in uh in trying to see how much this extrapolates or how much the conversation we get into as to uh whether or not this is going to be a consistent concern but uh on the on the one-off night it was just pathetic production when you got into the uh parts of the field where it matters the most really oh for four now look I understand that that one of these trips was basically just a a, a brief dalliance into the red zone they they had a, a third down a snap from the 20 uh, where, where they lost a yard. So that counts as one trip. 
But still, just for, for consistency's sake, that is a trick. They were 0 of 4 uh, in scoring touchdowns. When I look at red zone offense, I don't care about, about field goals, right? I look at touchdown percentage. And their touchdown percentage was zero. That is terrible. Now, we asked Willie Taggart about this after the game. Was there a theme, right? Was there one thing he could point to? And and he said there was. He said first he had to put guys in better position to make plays. Uh, and he said then we need to win more one-on-one matchups. And a lot of people think that means making a guy miss in space. Sure, that's a one-on-one matchup. But he was talking about the one-on-one matchups of, of blocks, right? So offensive line not consistently being able to win against their their you know their, their, their solo blocks in the red zone. Additionally, receivers uh, not doing a very good job down there either. Had, had multiple missed assignments where where defensive backs and, and, and backers came free when, when you're supposed to chip or crack them uh, and, and have missed assignments there. Ultimately, the not winning the one-on-one matchups down there did have a big impact in that. Uh, I thought Francois uh, could have pulled the trigger a little better on one or two and, and also had a, you know, a throw or two who were behind guys. And then you had uh, Keith Gavin drop a, a, a really well-thrown ball, I thought, by DeAndre for a touchdown. And uh, look, everybody took a turn, right? Cam Akers gets in the wild cam, a play we know they've been working on. and uh, Thing he ran in high school a hundred times. It's not an unusual thing to ask Cam Akers to execute a read option. To be honest, he was an option quarterback in high school. He, he's done this I mean, literally thousands of times if you count his game and practice reps and uh, and, and he fumbles. Just, uh, man, a, just a perfect combination of errors. Uh, 0 for 4 scoring touchdowns. I, I was like, man, what in the world? Like, is this indicative of something that, that Willie Taggart teams do? You know, because like, I said, okay, well, of course not, right? Like, you don't get this job if your teams are really bad in the red zone. But I went back and looked it up. Ingram, they lost their quarterback last year at Oregon. And in conference games, they were literally number one in yeah. touchdown percentage. Mm-hmm. Tonight, 0 4. Number one to 0 4. At USF, they were pretty darn good too. 70% touchdowns in the red zone. That's really good. And yet, I mean, we'll talk about hey, how much this is sustainable, how much this is not. But look, if you want to know, we're, we're, we're saying, hey, how do you how do you outgain a team? How do you how do you have more yards to play as well? And lose by 21, get a punt blocked, have your <laughs> have a 300 field position go against you, and don't do a damn thing in the red zone. That's a that's a pretty good formula if, if you're trying to re- repeat this at home. Uh, we don't recommend that you do. So, uh, I guess we need to talk about blocking in general. Um, blocking in general uh, and. Glad you added the the qualifier. Obviously, whenever you're talking about that, <clears throat> uh, you're going to be thinking about the play of the offensive line, which uh, wasn't great, and nor was it necessarily expected to be. Uh, another thing that stood out to me, and look, a lot of this is uh, without the benefit of, of seeing the game uh, as many times as we would like to, or, or sometimes without uh, had the ability to review every play at this point. It's uh, exceptionally early Tuesday morning. But I thought the effort you got out of your wide receivers was exceptionally poor. Uh, it was just not not what you needed when uh, when you asked those guys to block and and not. Uh, I think you had a chance at, at some larger plays on the perimeter, and you just didn't didn't have the uh, supportive pieces from the wide receiver to uh, to set those plays up. So disappointing effort. 
if uh, if they continue to play like this, they're, like their their game announcements will be like, all right, next Saturday noon on the Cartoon Network, uh, Florida State. I, I agree with you that we didn't expect the offensive line to be good. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I did expect it to be better than 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 that. Uh, we know that they ripped up the defense several times in practice, in scrimmages, and and in in, in practices. And you know, I sat in a room, and, and I've done a lot of these coaches' press conferences now. And I got to tell you, I, I think Willie was in shock. Um, I do. Just it looked like he was he was very surprised at at how the team came out there and played. And you can kind of tell, like they're just I don't know, judging off the vibe these coaches give off. A lot of times, if they knew it was coming. They don't seem shocked, right? They just they talk about we got to get back to work, and they all, they talk about we got to get back to work on pretty much everything. But you could tell he was like, "Man, this is just not how we've looked in practice at all." I know they were more concerned about the defense, right? Like the defense in, in practice had been struggling. The offense had had been moving the ball effectively and throwing it, and catching it, and running the ball well. And I think part of that was the offensive line. They they did not. I don't think he did a good good enough job preparing them. Uh, or maybe those guys just had a really off game. I, I I knew that the backups were bad, right? But I did not think that the starters on the offensive line would play like that yeah. because they had had a pretty pretty nice camp. Um, it was also very concerning immediately yeah. the the injuries that you had there. Like we, if you guys go pull up our O line preview, we said if they get a tackle injury, we are in serious trouble. All right, and Dickerson with what an ankle, I believe, uh, has to miss time and, and is, is not himself. Then you have Derek Kelly go down for a time. Juwan Williams leaves the game and, and in comes Abdul Bello. I don't know if Juwan Williams was actually hurt or if they just pulled him for a series or two to uh, to kind of settle him down. It's his first time playing playing actual meaningful snaps in a game and uh, and, and and he struggled at times for sure. The, the kid he's going against is good, but. Um, you know, I, I expect better composure uh, than that. And, dude, you're absolutely right about the receiver blocking as well. The receiver blocking was was terrible. Uh, probably not as bad as the offensive line blocking, but still, it was it was missed assignments. It would go watch if you guys rewatch this game. And I know a lot of y'all DVR these things. Watch how well Virginia Tech's receivers blocked on the outside in those screens, and watch how well or not well. Florida State receivers blocks, and the difference is stark. It is a big-time difference, and you have got to block better on the edge. If you're going to make use of space, if you're going to spread people out, which is what you wanted to, instead of boxing everybody up, you got to block guys on the edge. They didn't do that. Um, so that was that was bad. Uh, I think uh, – I think – you know, to an extent, uh, you, ha- you have some kind of understanding that it's the first game of a, of a coaching staff and there's always going to be hiccups in implementing new things and there's always going to be uh, just, you know, what, what goes on the whiteboard doesn't necessarily play out on the field uh, immediately in the manner that you might want it to. But um, there were even, even having said all that, there was still a level of sloppiness in this game that I didn't expect from Florida State at all. Uh, and then also some – like for for an offense that's entirely built around the running game there was no consistency in that if you take out uh if you take out the cam makers you know play a 90 yard run in the in the fourth quarter the 
the offensive or the uh, running game stats are are exceptionally pedestrian. Uh, and then also, yeah, you know, I'll throw this as a, a broader question to you: Is DeAndre Francois running the ball not going to be part of the offense, or is that okay? So uh, yeah, what, that just doesn't it doesn't make sense with what we thought we would see on the field. I I wonder if something's going on there. Um, because look, he threw a couple really intense blocks. Now, when he walked into the room uh, last night for interviews, I got to tell you, he looked like he was like an 100-year-old man. I mean, just like super stiff looking when, when he sits down. It, it's t- it, it just didn't look good. Obviously, the shoulder ice, that's normal, guys. Every quarterback you ever see pretty much ices the shoulder after a game. Uh, but, man, I know coming off the knee injury – he looked athletic out there somewhat when, when he was out there running around throwing blocks and people and, and playing hard. I don't want to question the kid's effort at all, and I'm not. I was really questioning why they didn't involve him more in the run game. Um, and if he's not if he's not going to be a part of the run game, is is he the best option? I think he might still be because I don't think the other quarterbacks had a great camp, but. We talked about this, by the way. Hey, a lot of people called us haters. Remember this? Uh, you guys said that. Oh, look, you know, the, he was clearly the best, right? Like, clearly the best, or took care of the ball the best, and is more mobile. I, so far, I, I think what we were hearing is is accurate. He, he took care of the ball the best. Um, you know, tonight he threw some he threw some picks. The one to Gavin down the field, look, the ball needs to be more inside. Um, so he did overthrow it. That's on him. It's also on Gavin, I think, for for not doing a little bit better job for fighting up and through that and at least getting a pass break up. But it, it happens. It, it's it's not an, not as easy as we think. The other one, they're just playing robber coverage, and, and he just got caught. Just 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 got baited and, and, and got got. But uh, you know, there are also multiple, multiple receivers in, in the same area. So I, I don't know if somebody – was supposed to uh, to stem a route a little bit differently there. Um, but you're right. The consistency of the run game, on an explosiveness basis, and we'll talk about this in the good part, yes, they, they had explosive runs. Their success rate, though, on a down-to-down basis was poor. They had got to do a better job of getting two and three on first down. They had far too many plays that were in that sort of one, zero, negative one range. And that's not good. The, 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 most of that, to me, is on the offensive line. There were a couple runs, I think, where, where Cam Akers was, was playing too hard. I, you know, I think that kind of factored into him last night. He was trying so hard to make a big play instead of just trusting himself and trusting the offense, which I get because trusting his offensive line is not necessarily the easiest ask. But uh, they have got to do a better job of just getting a couple on, on first down so they, they have a little more manageable uh, second third down. This is not going to be a good third and long team. We've spoken about this because of the pass protection, because of who your quarterback is, uh, and really because of the design, right? Like that's that's not who they are. They, they don't spend all day in practice, um, you know, trying trying to pick up third and long. So that's some other teams spend more time on that. I don't think that's necessarily the most efficient use of the time. Uh, and I, I think we'll talk about this in a minute, but I, I think that they will become a lot better uh, running the football, if these offensive line injuries are are not uh, 
or not serious, but that was a big issue in the game. Um, and early on, they started and they picked up third downs fairly well, the, the the longer ones. That is not sustainable at that rate, I don't believe, at those distances. Um, and with the Francois running, how many times did he pull the ball tonight? One? Maybe two. I I asked him, I was like, so were those, were those reads or, or, or were they – where they just called handoffs. He was like, oh, yeah, they, they were handoffs. And look, Francois is not the most open guy in interviews. Sometimes he just, I think, tells you what you think you want to hear. Uh, and he's gotten a lot better at it than, than he used to be. He used to be kind of standoffish at times. Um, but, you know, he sat there, give the guy credit. He, he, he took the criticism, said it was on him. Uh, I, I thought showed showed good leadership, to be honest. Uh, and I haven't always thought that about him. So you know, we talked about hey, me and you know Alec and Burns and, and those guys. Uh, we have to keep this team together. Uh, I guess we've talked about the offense now for about 15, 20 minutes. We should probably talk a little bit of defense here. And on the whole, I was fairly pleased with the defense, especially considering what we had been hearing out of practice, right? Um, yeah, I, I was pleased uh, as well on the whole. I, I will say. Ooh, after the first possession, I thought uh, I thought we may be in for for one hell of a night uh, in a bad way. the the opening The opening uh, possession on defense is is just poor, and take out the end result out of it. Um, I just we didn't, we didn't look like we knew exactly what we were doing. We weren't uh, we weren't aligned at times. Uh, tackling was poor, which was a concern going into it. What tackling? Yeah, yeah. Um, not trying to pick on a kid, but uh, Adonis Thomas had me scared blankless uh, as to as to what it was going to look like. Uh, so it was very poor to give this unit and we'll, we'll come back to them and in, in kind of the more uh, positive half of the pod uh, grew up and, and they got better. But uh, we, for whatever reason, it did. We just weren't ready to play defense the first possession. Yeah, and look, credit to Virginia Tech for for having a good script uh, to open, but man. Yeah, that, that puts you in a hole. It also kind of sets the tone. Now, it was a tone that the defense overcame. The offense kept shooting itself in the foot. and and But, yeah, the, the first drive by the defense. It also kind of took the crowd out of the game for, for a minute. Uh, and, and I have the crowd listed as one of my positives for this game, which, which probably tells you about how the game went because I'm talking about the crowd. Uh, also... Ingram, on the injury report, Vatek should have about a zillion guys listed, and the the injury listed should just be Florida State hitting explosive exactly. play. I mean, the offense didn't didn't do a ton, but when it did, frequently there was a defensive lineman in white uh, on on the ground shortly thereafter. There's you know there's some clips of this that you'll see that are hilarious, and it it is what it is, and and it's uh you know it's it's obviously a, a staff's preparation and game plan and that's what they were going to do to not let not let this thing go i mean if it's a an offense that uh prides itself on on pace and and uh trying to string plays together and getting you in situations where you either have uh personnel that you don't want or or uh, a, a bad mismatch when 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 a defense alignment all of a sudden you know pulls a uh, pulls a hamstring that he didn't know he had injured every time you, you hit a big play. It's just uh, chops up the game, and it was a, obviously an intentional tactic, and, and for the most part, it uh, it appeared to be pretty successful in, in how they did it. 
if uh, if you're new to watching offenses that want to operate at tempo, and both sides wanted to operate at tempo, by the way, at least to start. Once Virginia Tech got a big lead, they did not want to operate at tempo. They slowed it down a lot. Uh, this is something that other teams are going to try and do. And you, know, you can talk to the refs about it, obviously. There's not a whole lot you can do except shame them. I mean, on several of these plays, the, the guys are literally fine. They're running great. And then they, you know, start to walk back to the huddle and look over to the sideline. And all of a sudden, it's like a sniper hit him. <laughs> like, oh, man, damn, that guy's down again. What, what a weird thing. So, and look, some of them are real. Okay, when, when the Virginia Tech players collided and smashed their helmets into each other, that was not a fake injury. That They literally probably uh, had a little head bump. So the uh, kind of the final thing we'll note on is just, uh, you know, everything, everything that built up over the past four months. And it seemingly uh, kind of came to a crescendo with the with the idea that uh, Willie Taggart was personally committing to the uh, major project that we'll talk more at length of as far as the indoor facility and a hundred million dollar project overall for athletic improvement. But uh, you get the information about that and you just had a. You had a stadium, you had an environment, you had whatever you want to describe it as that was uh, just looking for a reason to absolutely explode and, and looking for a reason to kind of fully fall in love with this whole situation. And I'm not, you know, look, we're not talking about erosion of support or anything like that, but you just missed a chance. You missed a chance at a really kind of a special moment and, you know, you missed a chance to to kind of capture everything that was surrounding the program and, and really uh, – you know, put some put some good momentum behind you and and uh, see where the wind took you once it got in your sails. It, you do. By the way, if y'all want to, uh, I I know you were probably like, what about the turnovers? Shouldn't that be in the bad column? The interception certainly. Although the third one was basically in in, in garbage time. Uh, there's not as much control over turnovers as we want to believe. Humans want to think that everything is within their control. That's not actually true. And all six fumbles in this game were not recovered by Florida State. No. Look, that would not have changed the winner of the game necessarily if they were down the middle. But Virginia Tech fumbled four times, and Florida State didn't recover any. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mad about that because that's not actually a skill. We know that holding on to the ball is a skill. Recovering it, not so much. It, the way the ball bounces. So certain things certainly conspired to make this margin larger than the quality of play on the field appeared, right? We can say, oh, Florida State was sloppy. They were. They had too many opening game, you know, kind of jitter, shoot yourself in the foot. They were. But they also, you're right, they, they did squander the opportunity here. And it reminded me of a game in 2010 mm-hmm. in which Florida State goes down the field, punches the ball in, 7 nothing, right? Game on in Norman. Oklahoma then scores the next 44 points. And it's 44-7 to seven, uh, at the end of the third quarter. You know, that was, I think, pretty shocking at the time to Jimbo Fisher. Right? He thought they were going to go out there and really give Oklahoma a game. And personnel-wise... They were they were a little bit little bit off. Now, I I don't think that's the case tonight. I, I don't I don't think Florida State, you know, has inferior personnel to Virginia Tech. I think the other team did a better job of getting your team ready to play. Um, and I think that there were too many kind of you know first year jitters. There will be more growing pains, by the way. 
this is not the last of the growing pains. It's not like you just grow for one game and you're done with it. But, man, it did remind me of that, right? Everybody was very hyped up for Jimbo. What happened? Bam! You just got punched in the mouth, hardcore, wind out of the sails, and it took some time to rebuild the trust. You know what doesn't take time to rebuild trust, though? I want to thank all our listeners for coming out to the Nolcast Bar Crawl. Y'all, we did not think we would have that many people there. Uh, we knew that we were doing doing well selling the tickets. Eric had emailed us and said, hey, we're you know we're about out of koozies, uh, so we're going to have to switch to a drinks-only ticket. And damn it, we didn't sell out of those two. For the Table Restaurant Group, Madison Social, Central, and Township, Put on a great event. It was it was awesome, man. And to see everybody walking up and and greeting them, and we had three hundred plus people show up for a podcast bar crawl yeah, on yeah. a Sunday. It was fantastic. It really was. I tried to tried to uh, get around and try to meet as many people as possible. Uh, those that you know wanted wanted to be meet. Sometimes people are just like, I'm just I'm just going to drink my beer. You can leave me alone. And I uh, I very much understand that if uh, if that's your point of view on these things. Uh, it was just a, a fantastic time, and, and obviously the uh, you know the power going in and out, things got a little scrambled at times. But it was a it was a fantastic afternoon, and and uh, just in in complete honesty and authenticity, uh, thank you, thank you very very much. It's in- incredible to have the support both of our sponsors uh, that we we do and and the listenership, and uh, that was just a, a great afternoon and, and something that we'll uh, you know try to do at a, at another point down the line. You know, one thing we should also do before we start this this section on the good and and you know, good is the brunch at Madison Social, no doubt. Uh, we a bunch of my friends are texting me pictures and uh, they they thoroughly enjoy that. So so awesome there, and I know we'll have more events with them in the future. Uh, we need to give credit to Bud Foster's defense. Bud Foster, probably a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. I mean, one of the the best of all time, and uh, he had something for Florida State. I think he confused the offensive line a lot up front um, with, with some of their late shifting, which we talked about, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And, look, that is, A, something I think Florida State should have been better prepared for, uh, and they did not handle it well. So maybe it wasn't unprepared. Maybe they just, once they got in the game, they just handled it poorly and, and played poorly. Uh, but Foster had a great game plan for them. He, he changed stuff up a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it strikes me that, Florida State, on a down-to-down basis, really outplayed Virginia Tech in the first half. Votek was actually better in the second half, I thought. You know, the first half was really about the special team screw-ups. Florida State should have been up in the first half, and they were not. And the adjustments to be made, to be honest, were mostly by Virginia Tech. Because Florida State was moving the ball very effectively. I think they were over, over six yards of play uh, in the first half, if I recall. Multiple chunk plays. They were, they were going up and down the field and just screwing up in the red zone. Bud Foster did make really good adjustments there. Um, it reminded me a little bit of, remember the Oregon game in the Rose Bowl? That's kind of a painful memory here. But I, I remember I was talking to Jeff Cameron at halftime of that game, the you know, radio host, friend of mine. And, and I said, man, they're out playing them. But you got to think that that Oregon is going to make these adjustments in the second half because they have the, they're the people that have to adjust. Florida State has largely had the upper hand and just didn't score points. And that happens sometimes. When that happens, it's a bad feeling. You're like, oh, gosh, mm-hmm. we're down, and we kind of shot our bullets already. <laughs> Whew. 
let's let's get to some more good though. Uh, look, this is not game related, but it's week related, and we have not spoken uh, since this happened. Florida State announced their one hundred million dollar uh, campaign for their uh, football only facility and other programs uh, for the athletics and, uh, department and uh, helping to endow the scholarships. Which I know we'll talk about more on a uh, on another episode. That's something I think a lot of people don't know is that Florida State's academic scholarships are actually not fully endowed. So when money is given, some of that goes to help endow the scholarships as opposed to other schools. Basically, all the money goes to projects because they've been playing ball for you know, 100 years and have fully endowed athletic scholarships. Willie Taggart gave a million bucks of his own money. Willie Taggart is not going anywhere, folks. All right. Like this this idea, hey, let's let's fire Willie Taggart, right? Go, that's what these fans in the comment section are saying. Thank God fans don't make the decision on, on Snap. I, I had a guy in the comment section tell me, first of all, this is the same guy I looked at his common history, that uh, I was wrong for thinking Florida State was not a national title contender this year. This guy literally flipped from telling me that FSU was not a national title contender to he thinks Willie's the wrong guy for the job and won't last the year. It won't last the year. I was like, wow. Ooh, okay, right. so. Um, These should be a lot of fun podcast ahead for you woo! folks. If that's the- All right. <laughs> Look, I think that really shows a true commitment. Um, the old guy would not have done that. And look, that's not going to win you ball games. Good coaching will win you ball games. And I think Willie has shown in multiple previous stops that he's a good coach. He did not do a good job of coaching on Monday night. That is a one one game data set, not you know, not a large enough sample set for us to make a judgment on. You really need a couple of years to make a make a real judgment on somebody. But I, I think that's big, man. Putting your money where your mouth is, saying, Hey, I care about this place. I want to be here for a long time. I want to I want to do big things here. I, I was like, wow. That kind of took me back that he actually did that. It's just a it's a great thing to see. It's another uh, you know reminder of the of the very uh, real in, not infatuation, but the, the real affection that uh, the individual has towards the institution and and all the things that can be in play and, and what can potentially make this a, a great relationship. So uh, hopefully that's what we see play out and we see these two uh, you know parties merge and, and be a. A successful, uh, successful union as far as head coach and program, and and if it is the case, then you know you'll you'll have some storylines, and you'll have uh, a very kind of special feeling as far as how much the individual that you cheer for has kind of a similar relationship feel and uh, and view of the institution that a lot of people that do that uh, that that listen to this podcast and and cheer for Florida State. Let's talk a little more about good stuff. Um, by the way, I think all the stuff that Willie's done off the field, people said, at least on Twitter, and look, Twitter is kind of a cesspool. Um, I'm not on there as much as I used to be, but like, they're like, all, all that stuff is, is for not because he didn't win the game. Guys, that's not true. All right. I do think it's more of like, like, a, like a, a bonus situation to where if you do that and you win, you become like a rock star. But this idea that that doesn't matter at all is, is just false, obviously. I think reasonable people get that. You know, on defense, they had 10 drives in a row where they did not give up more than 40 yards. That was pretty impressive, man. They On the night, they held Vatek to, what, 4.8 per play. Now, it's probably a little bit worse than that because they, they had the, the two kneel downs there to end the ball game. And, and clearly, Virginia Tech was – 
was trying to salt the game away on, on, on the second to last possession as well. But man, that was uh that was a pretty good job on defense of, of adjusting to what Virginia Tech was doing. And I think one of the most the biggest adjustments was just the better physicality. They were not physical enough and intense enough on the first drive. After that, I, I thought you saw some real improvement. Yeah, some real improvement. You saw uh, you saw what you think and, and hope is that the uh, the linebacker group as a whole kind of grew up in front of you. <clears throat> the level of play that you saw in the first two possessions compared with the rest of the game was uh, was pretty significant in a, in a positive manner as far as the contrast. Um, goal line defense was great. And it, it really helped uh, keep you in the game and – and mask some greater deficiencies that you had. Uh, there are just some some very real positives as far as uh, what you saw. And I thought you know defensive line as a whole had a had a decent game. Uh, Burns began to emerge more and more and, and start to impact the game. Uh, Christmas had a again these are just initial you know initial uh, observations and, and not having. I had to go back and watch play three or four times, but uh, Christmas had a couple of good plays, uh, particularly down there on the goal line, uh, forcing that uh, fourth and goal stop. But uh, you know, not a, not a brilliant performance, but on the whole, I thought the play that you got at the defensive line was was pretty impressive. It, it was. I mean, Brian Burns becoming a legit pass rusher uh, is is really a good sign going forward because you're going to need him. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say this defense is not going to be playing at a deficit all year. Uh, like they were tonight, they're going to have the lead a lot. And when they do have the lead, they're going to be really lethal. They're not going to be as good playing from behind, but that's, I think, kind of obvious with the personnel uh, that you have. I love how they stood up on the goal line. You know, Virginia Tech was only one of three scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That, that goal line stand was really nice. Forcing a field goal another time uh, was was really big. No turnovers. Again, that's pretty random. Um Janarius Robinson, I really like the spark that he provided you. He came in for for Wally Amy, and uh, you know Wally, I, I didn't think played that well. He also was involved in in the punt block uh, in a poor way, and so that was also disappointing. Uh, but this is the positive section of the show, so I I like what Janarius gave you. I will say that I don't believe that jo- that they wanted Josh Kando to be Brian Bird's backup. I know I've heard that. To me, that's BS. Mm-hmm. If Josh Kando was healthy and had a, had a real offseason of being healthy, I think he's your starter opposite Burns, and I think that's a big deal. And not having a top 10 level recruit nationally on your defense is a big deal. He's not playing much. And when he is, he's not, he's not getting a whole lot of impact snaps. Stanford Samuel's out there as well. I am excited to see what what happens with this defense when when Samuel's uh, when, when he heals up. I think he can be an impact guy for you uh, in the secondary. And Corey Durden, yeah, like yeah. you said, was was a, a nice. They need, they need Durden to be a good third or fourth D tackle. I thought he showed some good stuff in the pass rush game, but he also played fairly well from what I saw. And I haven't done the rewatch, so you know maybe I'll, I'll eat my words. But uh, I thought he played fairly well against the run. The backers in the second half seem to uh, maybe play with the flow of the game a little bit better. I know they did a better job with some run blitzing uh, in the second half as well. And uh, and maybe this is the unit that you can count on. And you know what else you can count on, Ingram? 
Our good friends at Resolution Home Loans. This is uh, good to see Chad and Shannon uh, at the at the pub crawl. Just uh, fantastic uh, guys as far as their their own support of the program and and real want to work uh, with you as as a Florida State fan, a Nolcast listener, and and just an opportunity to kind of shepherd you through what can be uh, you know can be a, a little bit of a challenging experience or can be at least uh, to some kind of intimidating or. Uh, uh, it's just a major purchase, and uh, they're fantastic at what they do. Uh, want to be as helpful for you as possible, and uh, and they want to do all that in a in a pretty quick and expedient manner. They do, man. FSUHomeLoans.com, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. They want to walk you through the mortgage process. They, they want to keep you informed throughout, and they want to get it done quickly. So. How do you do that? You can only do that with great with great customer service. Uh, Shannon actually told me on, uh, on on Monday morning that they actually have their ninth uh, loan about to close that, that has been done through the podcast. So obviously we love hearing that. And uh, look, they're also seeing good business from us with realtors who listen to the podcast. So mm. if you happen to be a realtor out there, and we know we have many uh, who are, if you ha- if you have a client who wants to buy a home, they're looking for financing. Give Chad, give Chad and Shannon a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. Hopefully, they'll be able to hook it up for you. Now, let's talk here a little bit about uh, some good stuff we saw on offense. Yes, there were a few things that we liked about the offense. Um, explosive plays. We know this offense wants to hit explosive plays. That is the design of the offense. Uh, I liked that they did try to design some shot plays. Everybody's like, this play calling was terrible. Terrible play calling, and I'm not ready to say that yet, to be honest. Uh, I First of all, I don't think people really know what the heck they're talking about when it comes to play calling because they see a certain play and how, how it's run. They may not, they may think that's the exact same play they just ran. Well, not necessarily, right? Like there's variations, and, and then there's also reads within plays. Uh, for instance, when they lined up DJ Matthews in the backfield, you know, and they threw a deep ball to him, I don't know if he caught that or not, but it was in the, the, the third quarter. They were going there into the south end zone. I don't even know if people in the crowd saw this, but Matthews is in the backfield. They're trying to get him matched up on a linebacker or a safety deep to hopefully take him there. They, they run their two guys on the outside off, and, and it's Matthews on a deep wheel. I like that. Mm-hmm. That didn't work, okay? The ball wasn't wasn't thrown there. But you know what? I like stuff like that because that, to me, is thinking players, not plays trying to get the ball in the hands of your explosive guys. If you're just results-based, which I think is pretty silly to be after just 60 snaps of football, then you're not going to like that. This was a complaint that I definitely had about the old offense in that they were so focused on their plays, they wouldn't adjust to who their players were. Already in this game, we saw, hey, we got an explosive guy. We're having trouble getting in the ball. Let's try to put him in this sub package to see if we can get a matched up on somebody to make a play. I liked that. I didn't hate the Cam Akers play either, by the way. I know we, 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 we could discuss this too, because you were not as big of a fan of it as I was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think, <clears throat> uh, I think your point about the fact that he's a high school quarterback is very valid. Uh, but I, I think to, uh, at that point in the game, it, it was a must-have. And uh, I just don't know that you, you put your own kids in the best chance to succeed uh, by debuting that and asking a uh, 
you know, asking a kid that just made a 95 yard run or a 92 yard run to, uh, to execute a read and, uh, do something that he hadn't otherwise done all game. I know he's got past experience doing it. And I know that that's a formation that you and I had talked about for a while and a package that they, you know, will will probably return to at some point in time. But I just don't know that you, you did your best to put your kids in a situation to succeed with, uh, with where and, and how they ultimately uh, unveiled that formation. So I, I think the reason why they did it there was this. You were struggling to get a, a any kind of pass protection. DeAndre was getting a little bit gun-shy as far as pulling the trigger down there. If I recall, he had just thrown a pretty off-target screen pass, right, to Nene Murray. Or was it Murray or, or Patrick behind him, basically, that could tackle for a loss. At that point, you're down two scores, and you're on the ten, I think. So you need you need to score there in two downs. It's two down territory. My thought was, you get in that package. You may score on that play, but you also are probably going to get a lot closer too. You're, you're you're playing that as two down territory, as opposed to if you take a shot right, you miss, then all of a sudden it's, it's fourth and goal from the ten. Looking at the play, this is one I actually have gone back and watched. If he gives this ball, and again, I think this is just Cam trying to do too much. I think he's trying to play too hard. But if he gives this ball off, I think they're okay. I think they, I'm not sure they're going to score, but they're going to pick up a, a nice chunk there. Um, that'll be interesting. I, I do think they will continue to use that package because he was a very good quarterback in high school. I love they had five passes of 20-plus yards, right, you know, creating explosive plays. And this is a very different game, by the way, if these explosive plays score. Nooney Murray getting caught at the at the one changes the game. Akers getting tripped up from behind changes the game. I'm willing to bet you that in future games, that will not happen. I'm willing to bet you that they will score on those plays more often. I think Keith Gavin will catch the ball more in that situation. It was just... You know, confluence of bad stuff, man. Not excusing it away. They played poorly. They deserved to lose the game. Gavin uh, obviously had that disappointing, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a drop, but, you know, didn't come down with a ball and the uh, opportunity to make it 10-7 to 7 and really kind of shift the, the energy back to Florida State. But I was uh, I was enthused by how much Keith was involved and, and how, uh, how much he was part of the game plan. And quite honestly, he looked like, uh, he looked like Florida State's uh, biggest offensive threat for for maybe too much of the game, but certainly certainly during parts of the first half, he he looked like uh, pretty much what the what the offense was uh, was almost built around. By the way, uh, on the they should have have slowed down there on the goal line and and, and challenged the play. Uh, I I disagree. Here's the thing: coaches don't get the the benefit of like TV style replay in real time. It takes a minute and. You're taught to go fast down there because you don't want the opponent to be able to substitute and get their heavy package in. Also, you have defensive linemen who just ran like 30 yards down the field who are gassed, and you want you want to punch it in down there with tempo. This is a team that wants to push pace and take advantage of its depth. You also, also, you also may have had a fumble concern. Right. Okay, so if you're a coach in the box here, that is a great point. You don't know what that review is going to show, okay? You might think, oh, damn. He might have fumbled, and we might lose the ball. In that in that case, big time applause for getting up there and snapping the ball. 
I'd much rather have second and goal from the one, even if you have a nothing play, than possibly lose the ball for a touchback. That, that's that's a critical field position exchange there, potentially, if you did fumble. So I don't have a problem with that. Taggart said that the refs told him it, it, it was it was short. I, I think there's a good, good angle that shows it probably was, and I think the guy's shin was down. Uh, but if you guys are wondering why wouldn't they slow down and, and go for the replay there, they're trying to balance risk and reward. The risk there is, A, fumble, potentially, and B, Vatek able, being able to substitute and get, getting their heavy personnel in. Um, I got a couple more positives here, if you want. Uh, yeah, well, one's, one's a positive, and, and we might question why we didn't experience more positive, but the the you know the LeBourne play was as electric as anything you saw out on the field it was uh it was very kind of uh Peter Warwick-esque uh in a, in a bit of irony with uh, the theme of the night but uh unfortunately that was all all that you saw from him but for that uh that one quick little flash was uh was just one of the better plays that you saw throughout the evening and and a reminder of this you got a pretty got a pretty special talent in number four there you really do I, I think they'll they'll uh Hopefully, be able to incorporate him in more, um, especially you know as he learns the offense a little bit better. Um, yeah, I, I like to see him in the open field, and, and he's a guy who can create some explosiveness for you. The players did care. You know, Taggart said they were pretty distraught in the locker room and angry, and, and he you know he saw some tears in their eyes. And obviously, I'm taking his word for it. I wasn't in there. Uh, that that shows they care, and that's good. I, I don't think this team will fracture. And quit on each other. I think that's where some of these off-season team building uh, activities and exercises that you do that can really help. And that's that's good. That's good forethought by them because I think if you're a staff that's realistic, you know, you know what are we saying in, in the uh, in the, the preview show? You could lose two, three, four, five games very easily this year. Uh, I thought the crowd, given the circumstances, was excellent. All right, it rained. Very hard before the tailgating was fun, but very wet. Uh, and then they tried to get back into the game multiple times when Vatek had, had taken him out of it. Uh, that that was solid. And then also, I thought the the new DJ. I'll give credit to Florida State on this. I, I know people were worried about the DJ. I didn't notice any issues of interplay with the DJ and and the marching chiefs in the pregame. The DJ did a good job to get the crowd hyped up. I think he kept the student section engaged. Very importantly, the student section got in there early. They were not a late-arriving student section. And I do believe part of that is because the kids were able to basically have like a dance party in the stands before the game. This is something that if you go back to our 2015 podcast against Clemson, I mentioned, I said, hey, it was storming before this game, and yet these Clemson kids are in the stadium 45 minutes early, and they're literally just having like a rave in the stands uh, with with the DJ. Uh, So credit to Florida State. For that, I know we got about five more minutes here uh, wrapping up, but I wanted to talk quickly what is real and what is not, right? Which going forward, we covered this a little bit. I know this is going to be a separate segment, but maybe not, maybe not now. I do believe this team will be able to continue to hit explosive plays, right? That's what it's predicated on on offense. They want to create big gainers. I don't see any reason why why that wouldn't stay. Um, I don't have any good reason to believe that this will be a terrible red zone team. Unless for some reason Francois is unable to run, and I, I don't think that should be a problem going forward. Though. I'm not sure. And obviously, I don't have any reason to expect that six fumbles in a game none will be recovered by Florida State. Again, fumble luck is 
almost entirely random. Uh, if they lined up and played this game tomorrow, I'm dead serious here. I would pick Florida State again. Oh, certainly. Absolutely. They, they played poorly. That doesn't mean they're a bad team. You know, they. I I, I still think they're going to be a better team than, than Vatek. And, yes, they, they got outplayed. My thing is, I'm not basing this based on just one game. I'm basing this on the talent level of the players, at least what I think it is, what we heard out of practice and out of the scrimmages and, and the development of the team. I think there's a bigger sample set that we're basing our thoughts on than just what the fans see. It's kind of like when fans base their expectations of the team only on a spring game. Um, so I can't blame them for that. That's what they get to see. I'm just maybe a little higher on this team uh, than, than some fans are, but I think we were lower on the team than most of the fan base was just, just 48 hours ago. And then there's recruiting, man. Yeah. Had some positive news with, with Nick Cross. I mean, that's a kid that had – been out there and seemingly it kind of started to trend away from Florida State over the past two or three weeks. Uh, but he makes his uh, commitment official or public. And uh, then he had the, you know, <clears throat> the, the one individual that seemingly every person I talked to uh, this weekend was talking about. And you had the return trip of, uh, of Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau came in town. Uh, he also tweeted some positive stuff about Florida State. He mm-hmm. said, hey, like, you know, get out of my mentions. Obviously, I think people were tweeting some stuff at him, probably opposing fans. And uh, Kayvon's a ball player, not a fan. So he understands that teams do lose games. And he said, it's just one game. It's a loss. Move on. Right? I think they showed him a good time. Uh, the weather last night after the game was actually pretty solid. And uh, if, if he did go out, I'm sure he probably had a pretty good time because the students are going to enjoy themselves either way. And the game actually did not take that long, you know. Despite all these injuries, which was very, uh, very concerning, and, and you know, thoughts and prayers to Virginia Tech for their uh, repeated exhaustion-related uh, injuries, um, I think he probably had time to go out last night if, uh, if that's what he wanted to do. They also had Derek Hall, the linebacker out of Gulfport in town. Linebacker Treasure Marshall uh, was there. A lot of the Wakiva kids uh, were also there. They had they had a good turnout of recruits. The weather sucked. The game sucked. I think that the recruits will see that the fans stayed for the most part uh, to the very end. They support their team. And I, I think they probably really enjoyed themselves. Getting Nick Cross is a big deal. I think he's an impact guy in the secondary. May not like Maybe not like a Jaden would be day one impact guy, but uh, a, a real student of the game, a very smart player. And I know the staff is really excited to have the commitment from Nick Cross. And, um, you know, I think it's, it says something that, that recruits are, are more, more happy about the program right now than fans are. Yeah, because fans will come back. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that Florida State's uh, able to show a continued ability to recruit the Mid-Atlantic, continue to be a presence in that part of the country. And uh, Cross is a is a really big player and a significant ad. So, with that, we ask for you all please give us five stars on iTunes and thank you for supporting the show. Uh, disappointing result from Tallahassee in Game One, but uh, you know what? I think that you will find. Your most kind of your most odd results, the ones that are least expected, oftentimes do come in year one, because that's when it's hardest to predict, right? It's it's a new system, a new year, a new staff, and they have to learn about their team as well. And one thing that you really can't simulate in practice is how does your team respond to adversity? Not adversity of situation in game, but now post game adversity. Will this team stay together? 
what kind of changes will they make, if any, and uh, if, if there are changes that don't need to be made, right? If there are certain areas that they just need to stay the course and continue doing what they're doing, uh, you also have to make your kids believe that, the, that that is the right course of action as well. I think they have the trust of these players. So with that, I will see you all next week.